You are listening to Muslim in Moderation, discussions on minority culture, identity, and politics with Ali Ahmed. Welcome to episode 13 of the podcast. If I had to describe the big question behind this podcast, it would be something like whether Muslims in the West, coming from different ethnicities, levels of religiosity, and cultural values, whether they could form a unified identity group. But that question raises another question. Why is that important? Why would we want that? Well, the answer in part is to support the work of groups like the National Council of Canadian Muslims that seek to protect the democratic rights and freedoms of people of faith. NCCM started as the Canadian Council on American Islamic Relations in 2000, leveraging off the successful U.S. organization until it rebranded in 2013. It has been at the forefront of a number of major civil liberties initiatives. Most recently, on November 2nd, NCCM was in Quebec Superior Court for the first day of its lawsuit against the Quebec Secularism Law, which bans government workers from wearing religious symbols like the hijab, turban, or kippah. I spoke to the CEO of NCCM, Mustafa Farouk, near the start of the fall about NCCM and the fight for civil liberties. Mustafa, NCCM is representing the Muslim community in Canada in terms of trying to protect civil liberties and counter Islamophobia. There's a lot of diversity within the Muslim community in Canada, and there's wide-ranging views on the issues and approaches that should be taken to these issues. So how does NCCM decide what issues it's going to take on? The first thing that we think about when we're thinking about which issues to take on is around our core mandate, and it's around our core approach to dealing with the challenges that are in front of us, which is ultimately thinking about how do we reduce the effects of Islamophobia and as well, how do we address Islamophobia at its systemic core? Um, So those are the two sort of key metrics that we use when we're trying to analyze uh, what kinds of campaigns we're going to take on. And as part of that exercise, uh, we engage in a fair amount of community consultation. And that doesn't mean that we're just going and talking to the masajid and talking to mosques. It means talking to community stakeholders, folks that uh, have been active in these areas for a long time, folks that haven't been active in these areas for a long time, people from different sectors and sects of the Canadian Muslim community, whether they're Sunni or Shia, Islamophobia strikes us all. And that's why we take community engagement something very seriously. We currently have offices in the GTA, in Ottawa, in Montreal. And this year we're setting up a Western Canada office. So thinking about how we're trying to solve the key problem in front of us, which is Islamophobia, and as well thinking about how our community prioritizes its issues and how our communities prioritize our issues and what they want us to be looking at is sort of how we determine which issues to take on. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time to be taking on these issues. We're in another period of tremendous social upheaval, mostly driven by COVID-19, but the Black Lives Matter movement has also gained tremendous traction during this time and started a whole new conversation about race and race relations. So what's your approach to taking on Islamophobia in this new cultural environment? First of all, we have to recognize that in America the largest community of American Muslims are Black Muslims. In Canada, we don't have the same studies and numbers to precisely delineate the demographic, but a very large proportion of the Canadian Muslim population is Black. Our 
racialized as such. The reality is that there is no anti-Islamophobia without a focus on anti-Black racism. That battle has to be fought in this, in, at the same time and in the same way, because it's what our Prophet commanded us to do. When our Prophet Muhammad was giving his last khutbah, on his last sermon, anti-racism was component to that. And I think, you know, we, it's not something that we can shy away from in our advocacy, nor can we shy away from the violence that's being inflicted on Black Canadian Muslims. Just, you know, in the last week, we've been working quite closely with the Justice for Abdirahman Abdi Coalition right here in Ottawa, not too far from where I'm sitting and we're recording this podcast. Abdirahman Abdi was a uh, racialized Black Somali Canadian Muslim who was uh, brutally murdered by Ottawa police. Um, that's something that we at NCCM have to stand up for. And that's something that the Canadian Muslim community has to stand uh, together about. Earlier in 2019, I actually was uh, part of a disciplinary hearing in at Edmonton Police Service. And what was at stake there was an officer named Constable Nathan Downing, who, according to the complainant, Nasr al-Hallak, had engaged in one of the most disgusting displays of police brutality, allegedly, in Canadian history. According to Nasser, Consul Nathan Downing detained him and after detaining him, beat him viciously um, while calling him the N-word and while calling him a Muslim terrorist. This case, and I mean, eventually we, we were successful at, at NCCM in our advocacy to have this officer taken off the streets as the disciplinary hearing continues. But these incidents, and there's many, many more that I could name, illustrate quite clearly the need to approach anti-Black racism and Islamophobia as conceptually distinct. And it's important that they are that we think of them as conceptually distinct. But while they remain conceptually distinct, it is critical that organizations like the National Council of Canadian Muslims and other Muslim advocates are thinking very hard about dealing with challenges around anti-Black racism, because we just cannot effectively combat Islamophobia if we're not taking care of a huge section of our community. Yeah, I definitely agree with your all-hands-on-deck approach. There are, for sure, there's some concrete steps that could be taken if we can just get enough support to make the changes. But another issue that needs the same kind of approach is the burqa ban, something that's been in the news for quite a while. In April 2019, the Supreme Court of Canada declined to hear a challenge to suspend the Quebec secularism law, which banned public sector employees from wearing religious symbols at work. NCCM was part of that challenge. I know that that's not the last we're going to be hearing about this. So what's next for the fight? So a little bit of background. In the past, the Quebec government under a previous administration introduced what was called Bill 62. Bill 62 was a piece of legislation that banned Muslim women who wore face coverings, so like the niqab, from accessing public service. And that meant including things like getting a library card. So if you were a niqab, you couldn't get a library card, you couldn't ride the bus. And so NCCM was successful working with our partners, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, in putting what's called, in effectively securing what's called injunctive relief. Um, so a temporary halt to that piece of legislation. And that ban, that injunction remained in effect right up until Bill 21 was introduced by the new government in Quebec, the CAC. Now, what Bill 21 did was bring in the notwithstanding clause, and which is called Section 33. 
but the notwithstanding clause kind of operates as a quasi-emergency power. And it's quite clear that the Quebec government was using the notwithstanding clause to try to insulate and protect itself from the precise kind of challenge that its predecessor had lost to on against NCCM and, and the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. So um, what, I, what I can say quite clearly is that in the decision of the Quebec Court of Appeal, which is a 2-1 decision, where the Chief Justice of the Quebec Court of Appeal agreed with NCCM and the, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association's arguments, all of them held that the test for an injunction had been met to halt the application of Bill 21. But what they felt was that because the notwithstanding clause was being used, they felt that only the clearest case for injunctive relief, and that Bill 21 was in fact you know, clearly unconstitutional, would suffice. And that's exactly what we're coming to do this fall, where we'll be going back to the Quebec Superior Courts and beginning a full hearing process on the merits of Bill 21. Uh, so that means we're not just trying to temporarily halt the application of Bill 21, but we're trying to have it struck down in its entirety. And these are the kinds of battles that they take time to win. These are long haul battles that sometimes we'll win, sometimes we'll lose. But we are not going to stop fighting uh, until Bill 21 is gone. It's as simple as that. Uh, we will not sit down and allow for a bill that obliquely targets those who look different, that obliquely targets Muslim women, that obliquely targets Jewish and Sikh men. We will not allow such a law to remain on the books in Canada. That's why we're working with our Christian brothers and sisters, our Catholic brothers and sisters, our Sikh brothers and sisters, our Jewish brothers and sisters, and those who don't have any faith whatsoever, but strongly believe in the value of a coherent constitution to stand with us. Finally, Mustafa, I'm wondering if we can take a bit of a global view here. So many of the issues of Islamophobia are common across Western countries. You see very similar stories in England, Australia, New Zealand, all across Europe, and of course in the U.S. Is there much coordination between the various Muslim advocacy groups on these types of issues? Uh, I mean, I think we certainly could do better. <laughs> I think that that's pretty important to acknowledge, that there are definitely ways in which um, organizations like NCCM can be looking at the experience of our brothers and sisters in the UK, Australia, the United States, and thinking about collectively coming together and to advocate when there are key issues to advocate on. I will say that currently we, we certainly do work together with folks on a case-by-case -case basis. So, I mean, for me, probably a good example of that was a little while back, we at NCCM were invited to a ministerial conference in Washington, D.C. for Secretary Pompeo around religious freedom. And when we talked to many Muslim stakeholders in the United States, we were told very clearly that this guise of religious freedom didn't apply to everyone, that the Muslim ban was put up by the Trump administration to target the Muslim community. And as such, they wanted us to stand in solidarity and not coming. And so, you know, we publicly turned down the invitation to come to the White House um, and to uh, and to attend um, the invitation of Secretary Pompeo. So I certainly think that it's the kind of thing where we do reach out and we do talk to our colleagues and our brothers and sisters who are similarly standing up and organizing and getting together. But it's certainly something that we could improve on. And I think we would welcome the suggestion of our Canadian Muslim brothers and sisters 
to let us know how they think we can be doing this work more effectively. Thank you for listening to Muslim in Moderation. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and give it a rating. A new episode will be out monthly. For guest profiles, episodes and show notes, visit www.musliminmoderation.com.